Praise the Lord. What a privilege. Not just to be here together like this today. This is a privilege also. But what a privilege to be able to worship our creator. To be able to acknowledge that he exists, that he loves us, that he's given us his word. It's true. We can believe it. And everything that he said is going to happen. And we acknowledge that every time we come together. And it's such a blessing to be able to worship him together. If you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. As we look again at this, uh, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church, um, a lot different than ours and a lot the same as ours. Different in that it existed 2,000 years ago. All of the believers that the Apostle Paul was writing to in this particular letter, all of those believers now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything that he said in his letters was true. Because now they're all in glory. Now they know that all the promises that he talked about, that everything that he, that he said was going to happen, even though some of those things still haven't happened, they are more sure now than they ever were before that all those things are going to come to pass. Because everything that Paul said about them, everything that he said about the, the way that he was going to take them home, the way that, that when they were absent from the body, they were going to be present with the Lord, all of those things took place in their lives already. So that separates them from us a little bit. Our faith, we're still operating by faith. They're operating by sight now. So there are some differences, but by and large, this church that Paul's writing to is very, very much like us. And so we, have, we can learn a lot as we see the things that he addresses in their lives. And as he uh, finishes out this first chapter, we've been looking at this threefold prayer that he's been praying for those Thessalonians. A prayer that we recognize is a good prayer for us to pray for each other. Starting with verse 11, with this in mind. And what he had in mind was his, he had just talked about the, the Lord returning and what he was going to do at that time. With this in mind, we can constantly pray for you. That our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul has, has this short prayer that he mentions that he's constantly praying for them that they'll, that they'll recognize that he has done great work in their lives and now they have the opportunity to walk worthy of that, to live like the believers that they are, that they'll, that they'll continue that, that, worth, that walking worthy. He says as, as he gives them fruit in every good purpose of theirs. In, in other words, and as we talked about this, that he is doing good in their lives and that he'll make them fruitful in that goodness. As he's conforming them to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, he prays that they'll be fruitful in every act prompted by their faith. Every work that they do by faith. And as we mentioned already this morning, everything that we're doing right now for the Lord is by faith. 
Because he's not here right now in person. Where we can see him and, and, and audibly hear him. He's not here so that we can serve him by sight. And by sound. We're serving him by faith. Trusting that everything in his word is true. And that these really are the things that he wants us to do. These really are the attitudes that he wants us to have. And that he wants us to be fruitful in our acts of faith. So much that he's praying for them about these things. Because he knows, as he says in the prayer, it's only by God's power that they're going to be able to do these things. It's only by God's power that these things can be realities in our lives. Because apart from God's power, we're powerless. We don't have the ability, we don't have the will, we don't have the stamina, we don't have the desire. At least a lot of the time, sometimes we do. Right now, after a, after a service of praising him in song, we're, we're in pretty good shape right now. We could do some things. But tomorrow morning, after a night of insomnia, or a tough evening at the cash register, or wherever else it is that we work, might be a little tougher. But by his power, which is why Paul's praying these things, by his power, we can do these things, and there's a purpose behind all of it. Not only is he making us more like his son Jesus, he wants us to do all of these things so that we can bring the glory to Jesus that Jesus deserves from us. And then he says something very surprising. It's, a, it's, a, it's an unusual statement. Not only does he say, will Jesus Christ be glorified in us, but that we ourselves will be glorified in him. We don't think about our own glorification very much. He doesn't talk about that as much as he does the fact that we're here to glorify God, that we're here to glorify Jesus. And that's the, I think that's the crux of what he's talking about here. But there's something else that comes along with glorifying Jesus. When we glorify him, he also glorifies us. Now, it's hard to think about any of us being glorified. Because we know us. What we know of Jesus in his word, he's a lot different than we are. He's a lot more worthy to be glorified by us than we are to be glorified in him. But part of his plan, part of his love, part of his justice, because remember, he's perfect in both. Part of that involves bringing glory to those who glorify him. When, when Paul was, uh, was teaching the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10.31, you can turn to that if you'd like to, when he was teaching the Corinthians about living life for the glory of God, he used an example of a, of a difficulty that the Corinthian church was going through. They were, they were having a big debate, and this happened in various cities around the Roman Empire in the first century particularly. They were having a big debate whether or not Christians, believers in Jesus, could eat meat that had been offered to idols in the idol worship of their day. Some Christians said, no way, we can't have any part of that. 
We're not going to do it. The Apostle Paul said, what's an idol? Nothing. So there's nothing wrong with the meat. Eat it. God made it. Eat it. Enjoy it. But he said, don't fight over it. If you know somebody that can't eat that meat because of their conscience, then don't eat it in front of them. Don't, don't, don't celebrate your liberty in front of them and make them fall and make them stumble. But as he was closing out that section of teaching them how to live together with different views on some of those kinds of things, he said this, so whether you eat or drink, and he makes this statement in verse 31, or whatever you do, whatever's a big word, that covers, that covers it all. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. All of it. Not just Sunday mornings, not just on good weather Sunday mornings when we, when we can meet together out here like this. Not just Bible study times. Not just when we're in good health. Not just when we don't have any drama or big decisions to make or stress. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You see, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, as he's praying for the Thessalonians, we live to glorify him. We live, as we were, as we were singing earlier, he has given us breath. This is his breath in our lungs. We've got to use it for him. There's nothing else for us to do with this air that we breathe, that he's provided, that he makes work for us, than to use whatever this body does that, that benefits from that breath, that benefits from the systems that he's put together in these bodies, which are amazing. There's nothing else for us to do than to give him praise and to honor him with everything that these bodies do and everything that these minds think. And then you think about people that you know. You think about yourself before you met Christ. And you think of how long you could go in a week or a month or a year without even giving any thought to God. Think about the people this morning, as, as we have this, this great privilege of worshiping him. Think about the people this morning that haven't even thought yet that there is a God. They've enjoyed their brunch, or their yard work, or their sleep in, or their, their, their coffee on the patio, or their paper, or whatever. They've enjoyed all of those things that they love about Sunday mornings. And they never yet had one thought about the God who provided it about the God who makes it possible, about the God, as we were singing in the one song, who imagined the sun and gives source to its light. Do you ever think about that one? Do you ever think about the sun and, and its power and its, and its heat and its energy and how there's nobody up there shoveling coal into it? There's nobody putting another log on the fire. God made that sun so that it doesn't need any maintenance. And that's just one of the millions of stars that he made doing the same thing. Providing for us what we need. Not only the heat, 
but also the gravity and, the, and, and all the other stuff that keeps us in that right orbit and, and keeps us in position to enjoy all of this. And on and on it goes. We can just keep looking at all of his creation all around us and keep thinking those same things. And yet, there are people, including where we were and where we are sometimes now, who never give a thought to who made us and who put us in this place to enjoy all this and to, and to be able to thrive in this environment. Oh, we have our difficulties. All of us do. But we still have And he says it here, by his grace. He says, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that we're able to glorify him at all is still a gift. And so we should thank him every time we remember him. Every time that we recognize him. Every time that we praise him consciously. We should thank him for that gift. That we can recognize him. That we had the sense that he turned the light on for us, that we came to as the, as the prodigal son, that we came to our senses at some time along the way. And we said, yes, Jesus, we believe everything that your word says about you. We believe that you are the savior. We believe that you are the Lord. We believe that you are worthy of all of our lives and all of our praise. And we receive from him all of this. And on top of that, He says that when we do it, when we live this way, when we live with this attitude, that not only are we glorifying him, but he is also being glorified in us. Look with me at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Starting with verse 15. It's hard to jump in any passage of scripture in the middle without setting up the context, but Romans 8 is especially difficult. It's such a rich, full, highlight chapter. After he speaks of our adoption as believers in Jesus, he adopts us as his children. He says, For you did not receive, verse 15, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Were any of you slaves to fear before you met Jesus? I was. And if you tempted to go back that way, now that you're a believer, I am. But we're not, we did not receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, the spirit of sonship, we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God, and this is a great phrase, and co-heirs with Christ. You hear that? Co-heirs with Christ. It's an amazing statement. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Do you see what he's doing? Do you see what he's planned? Do you see the character of our Savior? Think about what he did for us. 
Think about who was doing what was being done to him and recognize that that was us too, even though we weren't physically there, we weren't physically you know, spitting on him, we weren't physically yelling curses on him, we weren't physically pulling his beard out, we weren't the, the ones who physically put the crown of thorns on his head. We weren't physically there mocking him. We didn't nail the spikes into his hands and his feet. We didn't cast the spear or throw the spear into his side. But we did. And you know what he says about us? That because we believe in him, because we've received him and the work that he's done for us and when all that stuff was happening to him, he says, you're now my co-heirs. Think about that. All of the inheritance that he was going back to in glory, he decided he is going to share with us. So much so, and we're going to receive so much that our present sufferings, and our present sufferings are real and they're intense. They're not even worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. That's what he's doing. He's even now, according to Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians, even now as we prepare for that great day when we share in his inheritance, even now as we live life for his glory, he is also glorifying us in his son, by his son. Think about that. Having these thoughts in my mind this week in, in preparation, at one, at one point I, I had this amazing realization of what a little and I'm a big guy but of what a little knit I am in the scope of all this first you you look at a globe and you see how little Georgia is on a globe any size globe small or large Georgia is a little place on that globe and then you try to pinpoint some of the globes are large enough they have Atlanta on there and that's a really small spot on that globe they don't have midway in there it's too small to make it to the globe that's where we are and there's lots of us at midway so just thinking about yourself I was thinking about myself I'm not even a hardly a pinprick on that globe in terms of me And he still wants me to be glorified. Not in myself, not from preaching or playing ball or or doing any of those kind of things, but by living my life for the glory of Jesus that he desires also to share that glory with me and as we think about ourselves like that then we should start thinking you know what that's all I want that's that's all that should matter to me that I would be involving myself in the kinds of thoughts in the kinds of talk in the kinds of actions in the kind of activities the kinds of attitudes All I should care about is living my life in such a way that he would be glorified and in his glory would 
be further glorified by sharing that glory with me. I think it's a, a, a statement using different words and concepts of reminding us of the coming of the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before him and we're going to receive from him rewards for the things that we've done while living in these bodies. Things that we've done, whether good or bad. And there are going to be some believers who are going to enter into into his glory as through fire. Because everything that they did in this life was burned up because it was worthless. It was all temporary by nature. It had nothing to do with eternity. It had nothing to do with him. It was just us using the resources that he provided for ourselves and for people that we loved and had nothing to do with him. And there are going to be plenty of people like that, the word indicates. And they're going to be saved, and that's a wonderful thing to be saved and to enter into his glory. But they're going to do it as through the fire. When Paul had that thought, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, since I know what it is to fear God, when he thought about the judgment seat of Christ, that, that shook him. He didn't want to be that guy that was saved through fire. He wanted to be that guy who was saved and welcomed into eternity by a Savior who was proud of everything that he had done for his glory and for eternity throughout his entire life. That was his desire. That's why he said, since I know it is to fear God, I try to persuade men. He spent his life trying to let people know there is more to life than what you're seeing right now, than what you're experiencing right now, than what you're looking forward to for this afternoon and for tomorrow. There's more to life than that. There's an eternity that we're going to be a part of. And we need to live this life in light of that eternity and begin now to bring him the glory that we're going to be bringing him for the rest of our lives. Not just life here, but the rest of our eternal, eternal lives. We get to start now. Sometimes we think of this life as practice, but it's not practice, it's real. This isn't even dress rehearsal. This is the real deal that we're living in right now. And so I can gladly commend you this morning for doing what you've done. You think, well, what have I done? Well, some of you got up really early to make it possible to do this. Thank you all for doing that. Some of you got here sort of early to help us do what we're doing this morning. Thank you all for doing that. Some of you, I was, I was thinking this morning, Craig, Craig Tognarino, one of our deacons, after the kids got up, did you see what he did? He came up here and rolled up the tarp. We have a tarp man, like a baseball team. The guys get out there and roll the tarp. We've got one now. Thank you, Craig, for doing that. Thanks for the example that you're setting for us. Now, he's probably down there doing something else, serving in some other way I don't, I don't see. But thank you, Craig, for doing that. And everybody else that's done those kind of things. And then I want to thank each of you who just, you, you think you didn't do anything, but you did something. You walked up the hill with your chairs, and you came this morning. I'll never forget when we first started Midway Community Church and we were meeting at Midway Elementary School. There was a couple that came every Sunday, and I met with them early on, you know, to see if they were interested in joining. But here's what they, they weren't interested in joining. They were members of one of our mother churches. 
And they, they went to the early service at that church and then came to our service every single Sunday just to sit there and to sing and to be a part of the service. Just to let people know that this is a good place to come. And they did that for about a year. Almost every single Sunday. They just came. And I don't, I don't use that word just, you know, in a, in a negative sense. It's a positive thing. Thanks for coming and doing this. Thanks for those of you who couldn't come this morning, but you decided to take the time out of whatever you were doing and stop and turn on your computer and get online and, and join the stream. Thanks for doing that. It was a wise move on your part. Because in doing whatever it was that you've done this morning or will do later this morning or, or later today, in doing that, you know, according to God's word, this is, the, is one of the things that God loves us to do. One of the things that he made us to do. When he made this grove of trees, he made it for his glory and he made it for our enjoyment. He saw this happen before we ever did it. When these, when these, it's hard to imagine that oak tree. Do you, do you all have extra oak trees growing in your, in your yard right now? From, uh, from the heavy acorn population that we had this winter? When they were those little oak trees in this yard, he knew this was going to happen. He knew, he knew that he was going to be glorified, not just in the beauty of these trees that he made. He was going to be glorified in the stuff that happened under him. You did a good thing, a wise thing in coming together with God's people today to worship. And you will do the same thing. You'll be wise and smart to remember when you leave here that it isn't just what happens at church that glorifies God. It's also what happens in the car on the way home. It's also what happens at the dinner table. It's also what happens in every aspect of your, our relationships with our husbands and wives and our children and our teams and our work and our neighbors and on and on and on and on it goes. Because whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. As we continue to live our lives in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received in Christ, as we continue to grow in him and he continues to conform us to the image of his son in everything that we do, the good things and the hard things, all the things that he allows, all the things that he set up for us, as we continue to grow in Christ, as we continue to do works of faith by the power of his spirit, according, knowing that we're doing the right thing because of his word, that's where the faith comes in. We know it's right. As we do those works of faith, we do all of those things, Paul says, with a desire to bring glory to the one who made us. And as a wonderful benefit, he's also going to bring glory to us. Not just now. Oh, it's nice when we receive some glory now. It's nice when somebody recognizes that we did something for them. As the kids this morning, you know acknowledge you you all have taught them to say thank you to people for doing things for them that's a good thing to do 
as we do that, we are practicing, participating, doing the things that we're going to be doing for all eternity, doing everything with him in mind and bringing him glory through it. And he will also then return that thanks, return that praise, share that glory with us. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning in prayer. As men and women and boys and girls who have done plenty of things, who have said plenty of things, who have thought plenty of things that were not honoring to you. We've all been very selfish at times. We've all been very fleshly, carnal at times, worldly. We've all been lazy in, in action and in thought. We've all done plenty that didn't bring you glory. A lot like the Thessalonians. But now, in Christ, because we are his, because we are your children, we have this great honor to think differently, to do differently, to love differently, to serve differently, to worship from our hearts in more than singing, in action, in more than Sundays, in everything that we do. We want to thank you this morning for the grace, the gift that you've given us to be able to do that. For the power to be able to do that. For the desire to be able to do that. And so now as we have confessed those attitudes, those things that we've done and said that haven't lived up to your glory. We thank you for your forgiveness and we ask for your strength, wisdom, and power to live now in everything that we do for your glory and to receive from you humbly and joyfully any of the glory that you desire to share with us, whether it be now or in eternity. We are amazed that you would in include us as your co-heirs, Lord Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise for being that loving God, that loving creator, that redeemer, that one who can take something that was so messed up and make it something worthy of your glory. And Father, there are some here this morning or with us online who still haven't said yes to you. They still haven't agreed that your plan is the only plan. They still haven't agreed that your son is the only one who can bring them to glory. And we pray that you would give them wisdom and faith to say yes 
to Jesus this morning as your only son, as the only Savior, as the only Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.